Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Coming back as a co-host on the on the podcast, along with Brad Roland. Brad, does it feel weird to have me queuing you up instead of the other way around? Extremely. At, w- at one point in our relationship, it would have been very odd if I hosted a podcast, and now it's very odd when you host a podcast. But we're back, guys. You're, you're, if you hate me and you like Carlos, uh, you can start listening to the show again, because yeah. Carlos is back. I feel like there's no one in the universe that fits into that category, but uh, we'll have to see how it goes. Hopefully no one unsubscribes from the podcast because you aren't the uh, the first person they hear when they start up the show. But uh, I am back with Talking Chop uh, as a writer and as a co-host of the podcast until they get tired of me and kick me out. So it's glad to be back. Obviously, I'm pretty tight with Braves people on Twitter, and uh, the Atlanta Braves have been my really my team for a while now. So it's nice to be back writing about the team, talking about the team on a regular basis. Uh, but enough about me. Let's just jump into everything. Uh, I feel like the biggest news right now, we'll touch on the Jamie Garcia trade a little bit when we get further into the podcast, but we just got news that uh, John Scherholz is going into the Hall of Fame, uh, something that we probably both expected to happen, but it is confirmed actually just a, a few hours ago, John Scherholz into the Hall of Fame. What do you think about this news, Brad? Yeah, as you mentioned, I think it's it was pretty safe to assume this was going to happen. Uh, Schultz is the first uh, GM to win a, win a title in both leagues. I believe it was was the uh, was the thing that he's best known for. In addition to obviously building the Braves the way that they are, so Scherholz, you know, he was always getting in. I think it was you and I, you know, a few months ago talking about Scherholz and Andrew Jones getting into the Braves Hall of Fame, mm-hmm. and we kind of we, we spent a bunch of time talking about all the things that Scherholz did, and obviously it's a pretty impressive resume. Um, there's a, a little dividing line in uh, in the Braves, in Braves country as to like who gets more credit for the run between Scherholz and Bobby as the GM because Bobby kind of drafted the guys in the late '80s, but yeah. uh, Scherholz obviously his resume is pretty impeccable, still with the franchise, and uh, no surprise that he's in the Hall of Fame. You know, I, I think I'm with you in that. We probably don't need to spend a ton of time on this because mm-hmm. it's kind of a, okay, Charles is in the Hall of Fame. That's cool. The Braves have a guy going in the Hall of Fame this year, and that's fun. It's a veterans committee. Is it a veterans committee? What's the official thing that, that actually voted uh, him in? It is the 16-member uh, 16, 16 Today's Game Era Committee, which sure it is. apparently is, is very similar. So. That's a thing, apparently. And yeah. also, uh, yeah, so Charles is in the Hall of Fame. Congrats <laughs> to John Charles. Yeah, I think it's interesting. He's going in with Bud Selig, the former commissioner, and it's kind of funny because Scherholz Ooh. is going in unanimously, and uh, Bud Selig but, is going in with uh, 15 of 16, so he's still safely in with 93.8%. I'm actually uh, amazed that Selig got that many votes, to be completely honest with you. I mean, I feel like he's pretty polarizing. Yeah, I feel like he's too. Well, there will probably be a lot of stuff written about Selig's pros and cons in the Hall of Fame, but I don't really know what the uh, track record is for MLB commissioners if it's something where it's kind of like they're automatically in unless they've been absolutely terrible or what. But uh, he's definitely more uh, polarizing than Scherholz in this in this area of things. But we don't have to spend too much time on this unless you have any strong thoughts on uh, Scherholz going in along with Bud Selig. I absolutely do not have strong <laughs> thoughts. Congratulations to John Scherholz, and uh, we can talk about baseball now. Yeah, that's good news. So the biggest news since Brad talked to you guys last in the podcast is the Jamie Garcia trade. Uh, the Braves sent John Gant, Chris Ellis, and Luke Dykstra to the Cardinals for Jamie Garcia. Um, Scott wrote about this a little for the uh, the site, but I kind of just wanted to get your first impressions of the trade. What did you think when the Braves announced this trade, when it was reported that this was going down? 
And I guess the big question people will be asking since we, we never stop talking about this in the offseason is, does this trade uh, end? Obviously, we know it doesn't. But do you think this trade means that a trade for Chris Sale and or Chris Archer or another top uh, starting pitcher is unnecessary? Before we get to all that, we have to figure this out. Is it Jamie or Jaime? I think it's Jaime. Oh, gosh. Now you, see, you should have stopped me immediately, so I didn't say No, I'm actually, I wanted to ask you on the podcast live. I, I always said conversation. Jamie, but I feel I'm like gonna, it, it I'm gonna look is, it up. it's probably Jaime. I'm looking it up right now. This is there's important. No reason, but... There's no reason it really would be Jamie, to be honest. I mean, he was born in Mexico. Um, let's see if we have a pronunciation. Yeah, it is definitely Jaime. So Perfect. thanks, Brad. Welcome I didn't mean to put you on blast. <laughs> no, I wanted I wanted to know uh, honestly for myself as well. And you don't you normally know these things, and you can figure out stuff faster than I can. You found the pronunciation guide uh, faster than I would have. So Jaime Garcia, uh, I guess. But yeah, there's this is weird. Uh, the, my first reaction to this to this deal was that's really weird because of all things the Braves have done already. Um, they've already made the two investments in uh, R. I. Dickey, Bartolo Colon. Um, there's still the stuff with Sale and Archer. So uh, in a vacuum, you know, paying what the Braves paid. Um, and we should say that you know the Braves paid John Gant, Chris Ellis, Luke Dykstra for Jamie for Jaime Garcia. I see. I just did it too. Um, I, I'm fine with that. The return itself, like the Braves didn't give up anybody that I was terribly upset about. I do kind of like John Gant, but like not in a way where I, I'm upset about this mm-hmm. in any way. So I'm cool with it in that sense. It's just um, I was surprised to see shortly after that the Braves were apparently still actively talking about Chris Sale or Chris Archer because there's only so many spots in a rotation. Uh, I thought um, one of the interesting things that we, I, uh, that you and I were talking about before we came on live for this for the actual show is that uh, our friend and uh, friend Keith Law, a uh, someone who follows and, and enjoys very, talking, very stuff, close friend of ours. Yes, uh, our boy Keith Law <laughs> uh, talked. I uh, kind of threw this out there, and I, it took me back a little bit. But he basically posited that um, both Tehran uh, and Bartolo Colon would have you know somewhat guaranteed spots alongside Garcia at the beginning of the season. Um, with the assumption that also Mike Fulton Davis would have a starting spot, but he mm-hmm. would not go as far as to say that R.I. Dickey would have one. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought that was pretty interesting. He kind of talked about Dickey may- maybe being a bullpen option if either Matt Whistler, or Aaron Blair, or maybe even Sean Newcomb kind of pops early on and they want to go with the young guy in the rotation. I wouldn't hate that, but it's just it's really weird. Um, I-, I would say it's my big takeaway. Like you know, the Braves are better. You know, Garcia is good when he's healthy, mm-hmm. so I'm cool with that. The Braves are better off. Um, than they were at the major league level before they made the trade. It's just, um, it's, I'm, I'm trying to figure out the direction, and it's not really making a ton of sense to me right now. Yeah, I've kind of given up trying to figure out what they're doing and, and, and <laughs> yes. how they're going to do it, so I'm just going to kind of roll with it. But it is worth noting that last season, you mentioned the health issues, and anytime we talk about Jaime Garcia, uh, see what I did there? Anytime we talk about him in the future, uh, you're <laughs> going to talk about health issues. But last season, he threw 170 innings. Uh, that was the most he's thrown since 2011 when he threw 194. Um, he's not a guy that you get uh, to just know that you can soak up innings. He's got a little bit more of a, a ceiling than a guy like R.I. Dickey when he is healthy. But the one number that pops to me when you look at his numbers, kind of just looking at his Fangraphs page, is the uh, the home run rate. Last year it was 20.2%, which is pretty easily the highest he's ever had in his major league career. And uh, because of that, if you look at his uh, his ERA and his FIP, he's got a 4.67 ERA from last season, which is more than a, or actually just shy of a run um, higher than what his ex-FIP is, which kind of takes into consideration that home run rate. Do you think there's anything to worry about with the uh, the home run rate kind of blowing up last year? Or do you think that's kind of uh, kind of one of those random stats that you just get a little bit unlucky with? It's probably a little bit in the middle, honestly. Uh, I was reading a couple of scouting reports of Garcia because admittedly, you know, I, I watched him pitch a few times but was mm-hmm. not dialed in on the Cardinals yeah. last year. So I wanted to read a little bit about him after the trade. And um, some, of the, some of the stuff that I was reading, including from that aforementioned Keith Law piece, was that uh, Garcia was basically just leaving his fastball uh, and his, his fastball command was kind of not where it has been in previous years. You also, you also saw that with the walk rate. Mm-hmm. Uh, his walk rate was uh, almost three per nine, which is fine. Uh, there's no problem with that. But the previous season, it was 2.08 per nine innings the year before. For that 1.44 in a small amount, mm-hmm. um, basically uh, that that 2.99 walk walk rate was uh, his highest since 2010. So that's kind of speaks a little bit a little, a little bit in addition to the uh, the command issues. I'm not worried about that, but um, I think the home run stuff is at least somewhat of a concern. Um, I think he's a better pitcher than what he showed last year, but. Mm-hmm. 
maybe there's a little bit of uh, some tinkering and mecha- mechanical stuff to where he was able to throw more innings because he's super volatile. Like this is a guy who's basically always always hurt in some form or fashion. Mm-hmm. Uh, when he was when he, when he's really good, like two years ago, 2015, he had a 2.43 ERA in 129 innings, which is obviously lights out. Uh, obviously, you know, 3.00 fifth that year, so not quite as good as the ERA was, but. Um, Garcia is a good pitcher. Maybe he tickered with some stuff. Uh, the home run rate is concerned. I mean, 26 home runs and 171 innings, not not great. Um, but slightly I, you know, above the league average. <laughs> yeah, slightly. But I mean, the you look at the home run fly ball rate stuff. I mean, there's there's lots of stuff that says that's he was a little bit unlucky. Um, a, he has a career 11.5 percent home run fly uh, home run fly ball rate. Last year was 20.2. So like maybe a little bit unlucky. Um, you know, we'll see. I think it's uh, he's probably going to give up too many home runs. If you look at the last three or four years, it's gone up from where he was previous to that. But um, his stuff is pretty decent. Not not a huge strikeout guy, but his walk rate. I, I'm a sucker for guys who don't walk a lot of people, and he doesn't do that. Mm-hmm. So uh, I'm, I'm I'm all right with it. Yeah, I'll tease uh, Ivan's piece, which is going up tomorrow, I believe, or maybe today, depending on when you're listening to it. Either way, Monday, you should be able to read uh, a really in-depth piece by Ivan on Talking Chop about uh, Jaime Garcia, but in 2008-2009, he had Tommy John surgery, uh, missed most of the 2009 season. 2012, he strained his throwing shoulder, had shoulder discomfort in 2013. 2014, he started the deal with shoulder inflammation uh, and then had to have surgery to correct thoracic outlet syndrome. And 2015 was spent in recovery and then a groin strain put him out for a little bit. And in 2016, uh, he had a rare healthy season, so hopefully there's more of that in the future for his tenure with the Braves. He's got one year on his contract for $12 million, but I guess before we move on from this, did you think that the uh, the prospects sent to uh, St. Louis was a fair trade? Or are you Are you sad any of these guys are gone? Do you think it was a pretty even trade? Because I'm of the opinion that I think this is pretty balanced. Um, John Gant's interesting, like I believe you mentioned. Uh, Luke Dykstra doesn't really move the needle much for me. Chris Ellis is another guy who's interesting, but a little bit away. So I thought this was all in all a pretty fair trade. Yeah, I thought it was a pretty decent return for the Braves. I mean, um, John Gant is the guy I think is probably the best pitcher um, out of out of him and uh, Ellis, but uh, Gant's ceiling is certainly lower than Ellis's. We saw him last year for 50 innings with the Braves, 4.86 ERA, 4.39 FIP. Um, I think for me, Gant's probably a bullpen guy and, and maybe a good one. I, I do like his stuff, and uh, but he's not the type of guy who's going to uh, probably you know sting you hugely with a trade like this. Like mm-hmm. John Gant could be a major league pitcher for a decade, and I wouldn't be blown away by that. Um, but I don't think he's going to be an awesome one if that makes sense. Whereas Ellis um, is definitely more volatile. I think his ceiling is higher than Gant's, but they're both 24 years old. Like that's not old. That's not that old by any means. But I don't think either of these guys is going to come back to really bite the Braves. So I thought it was pretty reasonable. Uh, you mentioned it's only one year, 12 million. I think you know 12 million dollars one year. Uh, if Garcia was a free agent this year, he would he would have gotten more than that. I'm pretty pretty confident. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's a, I think that's a pretty good value for a one year deal. It's just uh, you, you don't love trading away three prospects for one year of a guy but you know it's really two and a half Dykstra's kind of an org guy that doesn't really make a whole lot of difference there with apologies to him and his family um <laughs> but uh getting getting Gant Ellis is fine these, these are two guys who are outside of top 20 in most prospect lists for the Braves so I was pretty all right with it and uh we, we talk about the directional stuff like I'm not sure what the plan is, as we talked about numerous times. Um, I, this is kind of a move that you would do if you were really trying to compete, whereas I'm not sure the Braves should be doing that. I think you agree with me on that, but they're definitely looking to do that, it seems. Um, uh, so, yeah, I mean, with all that said, they want to get better, and this probably makes them better, and it's not a, it's a pretty reasonable return, I think. Yeah, I'm just excited for Copy to uh, flip him at the trade deadline to uh, get a prospect haul that's twice as good as what the Braves sent out, so... Well, here's the thing. I mean, we should talk, we should talk about this honestly because mm-hmm. right now, I mean, the Braves have so many starters, and you know, you can never have too many arms. Like last year, we saw that with with guys like Williams Perez being in the rotation for part of the season. Mm-hmm. Um, the Braves are going to avoid that this year, and that's a nice thing. They're going to have confidence in the rotation. Are you saying you don't um, want Williams Perez to be in the rotation? I am saying that. I'm sorry, <laughs> Williams. Um, wow. But you know, all that to say, like, if this team starts out poorly. Um, I would expect and hope that Copy would hit the market with all of these guys, all yeah. the pitchers between that's Garcia, Cologne, and Dickey. Because 
Um, it's great if they're around um, and the team is playing super well and might, might maybe make a fringe playoff run. Um, but uh, you know, it's it's probably better for the long term health of the team if they are not um, if the team is not performing that well. So it allows Copy to trade these guys. If that makes sense, that's kind of a weird statement to make that you don't want to you know root against the team winning. But um, I'd almost I almost prefer them. Um, not overachieve early on because that's going to inspire Copy to be able to make these deals. Whereas the Braves are somehow, you know, flukily in first place in in late June. Um, it, it makes it really difficult to get any value on these guys. And for the most part, you know, one one of them, uh, Dickey has has a uh, option for the following year. But both Cologne and Garcia are going to be free agents, and um, the Braves don't really strike me as a team that's going to be super bidding uh, to keep these kind of guys. So. There's a lot to go on there. We've seen Copy do this, and the fact that I'm pretty sure if Garcia is healthy in June, July, he can get more than he just traded for, mm-hmm. uh, traded for him, which is a win, like you just said. But um, this, it's it, this, this one's more of a risk. Garcia is more of a risk because of his injury stuff. I think with Cologne and Dickey, um, even if they're not great, they're probably going to be pitching. Whereas Garcia could, you know, hurt hurt something poorly uh, in in May and be gone and be a complete non-asset that you can't trade and you can't use. So this is more of a high risk, high I guess theoretically high reward move. But um, it's it's you know, what do you think about the possibility of dealing one, two, even all three of these guys mid-season to get value because it's obviously it would obviously be on brand for Copy. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised at all, and I think that's something I would I would like to see the team do. I feel like I've been pretty vocal about them even. Uh, shopping Julio Tehran around, you hear the prices that teams are asking for for starting pitchers. So I definitely think it's a seller's market. Um, and just where the Rays are positioned at this point, I feel like it'd be smart for them to explore that. Uh, I don't expect them to be competing for the division next season. So again, if you've got guys uh, who are throwing quality innings that can help a team that's actually competing, I definitely think that's something you're going to see happen. Uh, and as you said, with these short-term deals, you don't just want to let them expire when they're pitching for a, a team that's in fourth or fifth place in the division. So hopefully that is what happens. Uh, yeah, well, <laughs> it kind of ties into the the other big news, obviously. Not really big news, but like the big buzz is around Archer and Sale, which we mm-hmm. talked about. There's been some revelations there. Um, not really – not huge things, but like for instance, the White Sox want, want Dansby Swanson in exchange for Chris Sale. Yeah, uh, the sure. Braves are not going to do that. Uh, yeah, not, not, not surprised that, that Chicago wants him, mm-hmm. but Mark Bowman, uh, your, your former boss, uh, says that that's not going to happen, to no surprise. Um, whereas Joel Sherman of the New York Post says the Braves are willing to trade Ozzy Albies, which is not surprising either. Mm-hmm. Uh, considering I think we kind of all assumed that he would be one of the centerpieces if one of these big deals goes down. But um, also, Bowman says that uh, Chris Archer is the more likely guy for the Braves to go after at this point in time, but that, that the current asking price for the Rays is super high. So... What do you think about the Braves still being in on these guys now, at least in theory? Because uh, we just talked about how many pitchers the Braves had. Yeah. If they went out and got another one, it would be kind of an overflowing thing. Maybe maybe you have to send like a guy like Dickey to the bullpen, something crazy like that. So, uh, what, what what has anything changed in your mind uh, with it, with those pursuits now that the Braves have stocked up on all these pitchers? Uh, as far as as far as what I think for these trades, whether I think it's a good idea, has anything changed in my mind? Yeah, I mean, I, I think I know where you are on whether, whether it's a good idea, yeah. but like, is it even less of a good idea now that they've I mean, done all these things? Like, I, what, I don't know. It's still surprising to me how aggressive they seem to be after getting all these arms. At the same time, I wouldn't be surprised if, if they did pull off one of these trades. You you see a guy like Fulte go in the trade, and they just feel like they want to upgrade over uh, over a guy like Mike Fultonevich, who has a lot of talent but also has a lot of questions surrounding him. Um, I would still be surprised if either of these guys come to the Braves. Obviously, Sale is sounding unlikely now. Uh, Archer, I feel like, still would be pretty unlikely to actually come to the Braves. I don't know why they're so aggressive trying to go after these guys, and I feel like I've said this over and over again, so I don't want to bore you guys with just saying the same stuff, but I don't really get it. It doesn't add up to me. Uh, but Archer, at least hit, with his contract and uh, how cheap it is, at least fits the Braves' timeline a little bit more than Sale. So I think all along I, I probably would have preferred Chris Archer coming than Chris Sale just because you get two extra years of um, of control over him. And I also think you're you're not buying as high with Chris Archer as you are for Sale. I think we've heard mixed reports about whether Archer or Sale's package would be more, but I think for the most part I've heard that uh, teams would be paying less to get Chris Archer. And when you look at their track records, I think that's pretty safe to, uh, to say that's probably accurate. Um... Again, I, I don't think it's going to happen, but it does lead me to kind of wonder what the Braves are actually trying to do going after these. 
top of the rotation guys at this point. I mean, most people would say the Braves need to improve their offense. Uh, given the prospects that they have in their system, I think that's probably accurate as well. But that kind of ties into another trade that the Braves made. Unless you want to touch on Archer some more. What, I guess, what do you think about uh, the latest rumors that the Braves are now targeting him as a side oh. opposed to Sale? Do you yeah, prefer it's not... one over the other? Like, would you rather see Archer come than Sale? Or do you think that if you're going to go for one, you may as well go for the uh, the more proven one? Yeah, it's all about what they want to do. I mean, we I think we've talked about it, but you know, Sale is the guy who you know is better right now. So if the Braves, misguided as they might be, want to go in <laughs> for 2017, then that's the guy you want. Uh, if you want to keep with your timeline, then it's Archer. He's it's the two more years of team control at a, at an even cheaper cost. Um, if you have Julio Tehran and Chris Archer at their costs in the same rotation, you are winning in terms of, uh, you know, not, you know, I almost said salary cap management because mm-hmm. that's a, that's a, that's a more NBA thing. They don't really have to worry about the salary cap here um, <laughs> as much. Mm-hmm. Uh, but at the same time, uh, those two guys on those bargain basement contracts would be a lot of fun together. But I don't know. I, I'm. I'm more inclined to. I, I'm more okay with it than you are. I think about these kind of pursuits mm-hmm. uh, with this, with the caveat that you know it depends on what you're giving up. Uh, I'm glad to see the Braves taking Swanson completely off the market because uh, I talked about this with Joe Lucia last week. I wouldn't trade Swanson for sale right now by himself, and the Braves wouldn't do that either. Only because I, I just think pitching is so much more volatile mm-hmm. than position players. Obviously, Chris Sale is better than Danzy Swanson right now. Um, pure value for this season, Chris Sale is a better asset, but. Swanson's under control for longer, position player, et cetera, et cetera. But with my feelings on Albies, if if that guy's uh, one of your centerpieces of a trade, uh, you mentioned Fulty in a trade. I do think that makes this more like that that that's that scenario more likely. Mm-hmm. I think if they wanted to go out and potentially plan for a deal that included Fulty, then trading for a guy like Jaime Garcia makes sense. Yeah. If they if they think that they're more willing to include Fultonavich now than they maybe would have been a couple of weeks ago, that would actually be in line with what they've done so far. I wouldn't love that because I, I do like Fulty and I think he's a guy the Braves should probably hold on to if they can but if, if he's the sticking point between getting chris archer and not getting chris archer then bye-bye faulty this yeah. kind of thing for me um because you know actually so i, I don't know in, in a vacuum the archer stuff makes more sense to me and on the whole but uh the, the, it, it would pave the way more so for a deal that involves faulty and if you're if you're if you're a brace fan that doesn't want to see you know seven or eight prospects go out in a trade um if, Maybe if you include Fulty, that number dips, dips to four or five, and you're talking about maybe uh, you know Albies and Fulty as the, as the big time pieces in the deal with a couple more you know A minus guys versus your A plus guys. Uh, maybe, maybe that's more more of an attractive package for some fans. And if you like that, then uh, I think the, the moves of the recent past are probably something that you probably enjoy. And and you know the winter meetings are coming this week. Um, they're pretty much happening now. Um, yeah. Uh, a bunch of our friends who are who cover the Braves and cover the league are there um, on the scene. I know Zach Dillard, a, a friend of the podcast, is there. They drove up yesterday. Him and Corey McCartney from Fox Sports. I talked to them on the way up, so mm-hmm. they're on the way there. And it's going to be a big week. If it would not surprise me if stuff crazy went down, but uh, I don't know. It's it's another weird spot. I feel like we're talking in a circle, but like <laughs> the Braves, the Braves plan is just so hard to figure out right now. Like. Every move they make, I like, but then like I try, I try to take a step back, and I'm, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Oh, I was going to ask you this. I, 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 I'm throwing this a curveball at you, but mm, you remember, you you remember when, first you remember when, for pronunciation, they throw curveballs at me. Thanks, Brad. You remember when the Braves uh, signed a pitching coach that was supposed to be was, was supposed to be a master of working with young pitchers? Yes, and then, and then they added all the veterans. Yes. Uh, I think it was Zach Dillard <laughs> offline that brought this up to me. I was like, wait, that that's a good point. Like. The whole thing about the new pitching coach regime and this whole thing about getting rid of Roger McDowell was to work with young pitchers, and the yeah. Braves are looking at a, at a rotation that might include one young mm-hmm. pitcher right now. I just thought that was pretty funny and strange. Yeah, I guess they have a more long-term view of that because all the young pitchers that you're probably going to want to have them work with aren't going to be there right away. So maybe if the plan is to just try and uh, flip them at the deadline, you could still you could still go by that mentality, but... Shout out to Chuck Hernandez, by the way, pitching coach. I, I forgot his name for a second. Chuck Hernandez. <laughs> there you go. All right, but uh, as you mentioned, the winter meetings, things are going to get uh, maybe more interesting than they already are, but we've already got to touch on another trade that we haven't mentioned yet. Which, Prospects, baby, which here might we go. Be even more exciting, depending on your, uh, your lens in baseball. Uh, the Braves traded for Alex Jackson, the uh, former first-round pick of the Seattle Mariners. Uh, and unfortunately, the Braves had to let go of Max Posey, 
and Rob Whalen to get it done. If you don't know, I was extremely high on Max Posey. I got to see him in person out in California. Loved this kid. Uh, I know a lot of the people with Talking Chop are also pretty high on Posey. He had a great year. It's hard not to be excited about him at this point, but uh, I feel like Alex Jackson is even more exciting uh, because of his tools, his, uh, I guess his pedigree, you could say, and the fact that aside from Kevin Maiton, uh, Alex Jackson might be the the highest ceiling offensive or, or position player prospect that the Braves have in their system right now. MLB.com put him as the uh, number 13 prospect in the Braves system, which speaks to two things, uh, how deep the Braves farm system actually is and how far Alex Jackson's stock has fallen uh, since he's been drafted. But real quick, Brad, what do you think of this trade? Did you know anything about Alex Jackson before? And uh, I guess after you, you researched it, what do you think about it? Yeah, I mean, Jackson was the number six overall pick in 2014, which is it seems crazy that a guy who's drafted you know less than two and a half years ago would have been falling this, as fast as you just said that he's fallen. Because if you told anybody a year ago that Alex Jackson would get traded from Max Posey, uh, as the centerpiece of the deal, and also with Rob Whalen, who's kind of just the filler guy in this situation, although I kind of like Rob Whalen, but only in a, uh, a secondary sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, people would have thought you were nuts, but Jackson's been awful. There's, there's no way around that. Like In terms of actual performance with the Mariners organization, it was not good. Um, so this is definitely a buy-low scenario, but I'm okay with it because, as we all know, we talked about a million times on the show, the Braves have so many pitching prospects in the system and it's sort of a shortage of positional prospects uh jackson's ceiling is is such where this is a gamble this is not the outright win that all the that basically every copy move has been Mm -hmm. in my mind so far i think this is probably a win and in terms of value i'm totally okay with it because of what you said about him you know he's only 20 years old he'll be he turns 21 on christmas day so like you're still taking a gamble on a guy with immense tools. You don't you don't go in the top ten of the, of the baseball draft out of high school if you don't have massive tools. Mm-hmm. Um, so Jackson does have those. It's just the, the case of you're flipping a guy in Pogues who, who we both like, who is probably a better player at this moment mm-hmm. um, for a guy with a higher ceiling at a position that you need more of. So um, the run on the run on Acuna fans are going to come after you for saying Jackson's upside's higher than everybody else's yeah, in the system. They can they can take um, that somewhere else. I think. I'm going to stick uh, by Alex Jackson. I think you're talking to Eric Eric Cole right now. You're <laughs> should, subtweeting have Eric. Debate with him right now. I'm going to uh, that might happen after this. That might happen in the future. But no, I, I was cool <laughs> with this. Uh, Jackson, this is a boomer bust guy though. If he if he busts, no one's going to be surprised. Like he's been so bad uh, in his short professional career so far that um, he would it would no longer be a surprise to anyone if he was not a good player. Yeah. Um, but I'm cool with it. I'm cool with the gamble. Posey might come back to bite the Braves in a way that. Uh, John Gant, as we talked about, will not come back, or Chris Ellis, or even Rob Whalen. Uh, Povesy's a guy who could bite the Braves, and that's something that has to be said. But um, Jackson, you know, has a higher ceiling, and I'm cool with it because flipping some pitchers for positional players is not the worst idea right now if you're the Braves. No, I, I agree with that too. Uh, if you don't know uh, a lot about Jackson, you should uh, check out Talking Chop. We've got some stuff on him there. But uh, he kind of burst onto the prospect scene back in 2012 when he led. California prep uh, players with 17 home runs. And this is when he was a sophomore in high school. Uh, he was a two-time area codes uh, performer. He, I think he, he was drafted as high as he was because he had plus-plus power from the right-hand side. Uh, he was a catcher in high school. Uh, that's another kind of wrinkle to this trade that I feel like is interesting. We should talk about that for sure. Yeah, he's, got a, he's got a premium arm as well. I don't know much about his... Um, his uh, glove work behind the dish, I'm assuming it wasn't great. Uh, that's probably the reason why the Mariners moved him into the outfield in the first place. They really just drafted his bat. But with, uh, with the players the Braves have at catcher in their system, I wouldn't be surprised at all if the Braves tried to uh, kind of work him back behind the plate. It would make it a lot easier for his bat to profile in the majors. Um, and if he's got that arm, you've got something to kind of build off of. But again, this comes with me not knowing much of anything about how he is behind behind the dish. But I think... This is a really exciting move for the Braves. I'm excited to see uh, what he's able to do. Hopefully a change of, of scenery will help him bounce back because as a 20-year-old last year in low A, 92 games, he struck out 103 times uh, and hit just 11 home runs. Obviously is not something you want to see at that age, at that level, uh, when you supposedly have this kind of premium power right-handed bat. Um, but again, this is why the Braves were able to get him for what seems to be so so cheap compared to what you would expect after he was drafted in the first round. 
Yeah, well, your 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 friend and colleague uh, JJ Cooper of Baseball mm-hmm. Baseball America was the first person I saw that kind of positive the Braves could maybe maybe flip them up behind the plate again um, right after the trade happened, and that that, that would make some sense because uh, as we we talked about, the Braves uh, catching catching situation is not ideal. That's the one spot in the system that's been a real concern. They talked about it at the major league level a ton as well, and we'll talk about a guy later in the podcast who the Braves could be targeting in that regard, but. Um, if Jackson, you know, the bat has not played in the outfield so far, but if he could become, you know, we've seen that the bar at catcher is so much lower in terms of your bat than it is in the outfield that if they think that they can redeem him just a little bit and have him be a league average defensive catcher or something like that, um, that that would be a big win. But we're kind of guessing, uh, to be fair. Uh, we don't really know oh, yeah. if the Braves will even try that at, at catcher. It makes some sense, but maybe, it, you know, maybe it's so bad and, and the Mariners sort of saw that firsthand that um, he can't catch. And I get that. Um, I think the Braves probably have some full knowledge on that as to before they make the trade. I'm pretty sure they have a plan, and you know it might change when, when they see him up close and personal. But they probably know now if they're going to even try him at catcher. If not, um, the back could still play in the outfield. I mean, yeah. all the numbers and uh, all the prep numbers, all the scouting stuff. Um, it wouldn't be the worst thing in the world if he was an outfielder. It's just whether he can actually flip flip the switch because uh, so far, and you know, I guess it's about three years of uh, data on him at the, pre- at the professional level or not. Mm-hmm. Wasn't, wasn't he wasn't he held back for like a whole second season of yeah. like? If you if you look at JJ's uh, article with Baseball America, he I think he talks about how he was the first he was the first player to be held back in a short season ball, I believe. Uh, of any first round, it was a first round draft pick that was, I believe it was. Or we do with an injury, so yeah, it was either first round, or top fifteen, something like that. Yeah, that which is not two. great. That kind of tells them, you how bad he's been. One of them was held back just because of an injury, but uh, Jackson was held back just because of his performance. So uh, the the comparables there aren't great, but obviously this guy has he has the tools to turn it around. So uh, we'll see if the Braves uh, developmental people can can figure some things out that maybe he wasn't getting in Seattle, but. Uh, this one really excites me just because, I mean, I was with Baseball America when he was drafted, so I heard a lot about him at that time. Um, yeah, and I got, maybe I'm, I'm obviously a little more excited about him just because, I mean, I'm, I'm still thinking back to that time when he was drafted. Uh, but, I mean, everyone will agree he does have the tools to, to be an impact hitter at the major league level. It's just a matter of how quick you want to give up on him uh, with, with the results he's had so far and whether you think he can make the adjustments that he needs to, but... It'll be interesting to uh, to pay attention to and uh, look forward to seeing in the Talking Chop minor league recaps. That's for sure. Yeah, shout out to Eric and the and the guys on that one. But uh, hopefully Max Posey does not turn into the ace that you thought that you thought he was going to be, Carlos. <laughs> hopefully he does. I'd still want him to turn into. One, I know. But yeah, I know. would not be not be exciting for Braves fans. That's for sure. I'm still big on Posey. Maybe we can uh, trade trade back for him at some point. Copy would probably love to. That'd be a very copy move uh, <laughs> to go back and flip but, for Max Posey later later on. But before we move on from this, just take a minute and see uh, how many first round players of the 2014 draft the Braves have right now. They traded for Alex All Jackson, who was the sixth pick. They traded for Tuki Toussaint, who was the 16th pick, and they traded for Sean Newcomb, who was the 15th pick. So. Copy really loves this group of uh, 2014 first round picks to go along with Braxton Davidson who was the Braves' actual pick at number 32 that year. So, fun, fun draft for them. Yeah, I mean, all the prospects right now, we've seen that. They're just, <laughs> they're everywhere. The system is ridiculous at this point, even after trading, you know, what was it, six, seven guys this week mm-hmm. um, in, in total. One of, it's crazy. Uh, the Braves the Braves have all the, all the prospects, and that's, that's just fine. In other news, uh, Chris Withrow was non-tendered. Brad, anything there? Just need to touch on this to uh, make sure you guys know. What yeah, Withrow was kind of weird last year. Like you think you might think he was good. You know, three three five eight ERA in like thirty. I think it was thirty seven thirty innings. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but if you look beyond that, the peripherals were not great. And I think this was this, this was a guy that a lot of people in the in Braves world were kind of penciling him for a bullpen spot. So it was sort of surprising that they had not tendered him. Um, only because of all of that and the fact that he you know, this is a former first round pick. He's only 27 years old. There is some upside there, I think. But you know, this was sort of his first. Um, you know, he, he pitched. He was actually more of a more of a high vol uh, high volatility guy with the Dodgers in a couple of stints before, like striking out more than 11 per nine. Mm-hmm. At, whereas in Atlanta, he struck out less than seven per nine with a, with uh, while walking four, which is not what you want to see. Um, I just thought it was interesting. Not 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 upset by it at all. It's just that. 
they kind of had to clear some spots, I guess. And uh, Withrow was the casualty. I was just a little bit, a little bit surprised because I think you know that, that would have been an, another another cheap bullpen option because I can't imagine he would have gotten a, a big time contract in arbitration. Um, so you know, worth noting. I wanted to put that out there, even though it's not the most exciting piece of news in the world. But uh, Withrow will not be a part of the bullpen as it stands now. Yep. Nope. Definitely think I don't have anything to add there. I think you summed it up nicely. Uh, next, we can move on to the catcher position. Obviously, Catchers! We touched on that a little bit with Alex Jackson, but who knows if he's actually even going to play catcher at all. Um, the Braves have deals for Tuffy Gosuch and Anthony Recker. Hopefully I'm pronouncing Gosuch's name correctly. Uh, Tuffy, I have a great Tuffy's the greatest, the greatest name in sports. So You think so? You should write a uh, write a column about that, making your making your case. That was probably a little bit aggressive, but it, it's a, it is still a, it is, it is a phenomenal name. He can't hit at all, but... Uh, He's apparently a good fielder, mm-hmm. uh, good, good receiver. Here's a whereas Grecker is like the power guy, right? Before we go on and talk about this, do you think that the Braves' farm system, in addition to being one of the best in baseball, also has the best names in baseball? Because we've got some really interesting names. Tuffy, Dansby, Tukey. I mean, those are just right off the top of my head. Posey, he's gone. But yeah, interesting names with the Atlanta's farm system. There's some, yeah, there's some names for sure. Uh, you know, I think Ronald Acuna just, just sounds like he'd be awesome. Mm-hmm. At baseball, and he, I think he might be. Ozzy Albies, good name. It's a great uh, name. Yeah. Colby Howard's got a strange name. Kevin Maiton, I still know how to pronounce that, so that's good. No one does. So, congratulations. Eric and I flipped back and forth on that about seven times on how to pronounce that name. So, uh, hopefully, he'll be awesome pretty soon and we can talk about it and figure it out. But, um, yeah, I don't know. Tuffy is a guy who can. He's a guy. Uh, he is a guy. He's a guy who can apparently <laughs> field uh, the baseball behind the plate. Whereas, you know, Wrecker was decent last year late. Um, and it has, it has some real power like, throughout the minors and even in, in, in short, short stints in the major league level has some power. Um, you know, Tyler Flowers is the starter, but they have both of these guys now under contract that they want to keep them. Uh, the Braves, it would be kind of surprising if they had both of them on the major league roster because the Braves really carry three catchers. Mm-hmm. Um, but especially if none of those and none of these guys can really play anywhere else, there's not a spot where you can play one of these guys in the outfield. That doesn't really happen. Whereas when you had Evan Gaddis, you could technically uh, you know carry him as an outfielder. Uh, none of these guys really play the outfield. Um, and then there's also another name that we want to talk about in a second. The Braves have now been linked to in Wellington Castillo. Um, I, I think it was Dob reported that, um, that the Braves had some interest there, and that's kind of made the rounds. And Castillo was a lot better player than uh, both Wrecker and Tuffy Ghost, which have been. But the, the catchers just, you know, we talk about. I feel like we talk about it every week, but uh, there's always a, a piece of news or two about the catching position and guys that the Braves are linked to. Uh, I continue to think that, 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 that they might just go into the year with. Uh, Flowers, Wrecker, and Gosevich, and I think more likely Wrecker, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's my that's my opinion. I don't that's not any source material for me, but I think you know Flowers and Wrecker is still the most the most likely pairing to start the season. But what do you think about Gosevich? Uh, I guess just being around, but more importantly, is willing to guess to you interest you at all because he's been pretty good the last couple of years. Uh, Gosevich doesn't interest me as much as the Wellington Castillo rumors. Yes. Um, you mentioned uh, him as a defender. I just looked up the uh, his pitch framing metrics real quick, and through what is it? Uh, a pretty decent sample, not huge. He was negative. and this is Tuffy. This, this is, is Tuffy. This or is Tuffy. This is Tuffy. Yeah. I think Castillo does a little better. Tuffy was negative three point seven and runs above average for uh, pitch framing, which is not great. Uh, obviously, it's negative, so it's not as exciting as Tyler Flowers' thirteen point three mark. Um, let's see where Castillo is. I know he interested me a little more with his arm. Yeah, Wellington's right around the same same spot as Castillo. Or, uh, but as just Gosewich. just think, if Gosewich is not a positive defensive influence, he might be the worst worst player in baseball because he is a non hitter. Yeah, no, uh, I'm a sure career. Actually does let, let me read off. Let me read, read off the career <laughs> slash line for Tuffy just for some fun. Uh, four four hundred sixteen in plate appearances. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is basically a full season for a catcher. Uh, a 199 batting average, 237 on base percentage, and a 286 slugging for a career WRC plus of 36. Wow, that's not good. Yeah. No, no, it's uh, not. So, just good a point of reference: uh, Wellington Castillo's career average is higher than Tuffy Gosevich's on base percentage. So, yes, it is. That's good. And with Wellington Castillo, you at least get a guy who can throw runners out a little bit. Uh, last year, he threw out 27 percent. Excuse me. Thirty-eight percent of his uh, attempted attempted stealing base stealing base players attempted stolen bases. Okay, 
So he he threw out people a little bit more than uh, a little bit. <laughs> stealing more than base Tyler players Flowers. is good. I like that. Stealing, <laughs> Wellington Castillo is good at limiting stealing base players. That's what he's um, good at. I have so, a take. I have a take for you on Castillo if you want to hear it. Yeah, I'd love to hear it since I'm just struggling to speak about his stealing base catching ability. He's uh, he's better than Tyler Flowers. Oh, definitely at oh, baseball. Yeah. So if they did this, I think you know Castillo. We talked we talked about a bunch of names like you know the Matt Weeders types, the Wilson Ramos stuff. Mm-hmm. Those guys were obviously better than Tyler Flowers. Um, Castillo is a guy who people probably don't know a ton about, but if you look mm-hmm. at his resume the last three or four years, he's de- he definitely has a higher baseline than Flowers. You could make the argument Flowers was a better player last year if you wanted to. Mm-hmm. Uh, I wouldn't make that argument still, but you could at least talk yourself into it. But Castillo over the last, if you do the four year sample here. Uh, is a solidly better player than Flowers, so mm-hmm. sign me up for Castillo if it's at a reasonable price. Um, he has some other suitors, but the fact that he was non-tendered was a surprise, and uh, he's now around, and I think one of the more intriguing uh, possibilities for the Braves behind the plate because he is actually a free agent. You, know, you don't have to trade for the guy, but he's mm-hmm. also not, not the type of guy who's going to have to command you know big-time money for three or four years. So it would be a nice little pairing with flowers, you know, ideally he's he's not a left-handed hitter or anything, so that would not it's not an ideal, um, you know, platoon pairing with those two guys. But if you can add another guy who's at least as good, if not better, and you know, I think I think pretty solidly better than Flowers, uh, that would not be the worst thing in the world. I, you know, I, not not a ton on this, but Dob did report interest, and uh, it's making the rounds a little bit. So mm-hmm. maybe there's a little bit something there. It's a bit odd now that they've. Uh, they, they decided to pay both Wrecker and Ghost of Wish. They would go out and sign a free agent. But, you know, Castillo's enough of an upgrade where it makes sense. Yeah, he's a uh, career 98 WRC plus guy. And at the catcher position, I believe uh, 87 was the average last season. So even offensively, the numbers don't really pop out at you. He's he's above average for major league catcher with the bat. And uh, he throws out runners at a pretty good rate as well. So I would, be, I would definitely be interested in seeing him... Uh, play for the Braves a little bit obviously Tyler Flowers is a is a fun guy to root for but he's definitely not your answer uh, long term if you want to be competing at the position um, but yeah it will be interesting to see what they do with the catcher position it seems like they got a couple guys uh, that really don't really interest you but they've got them there it seems like they're they're kind of committed to uh, seeing what they can do so we'll see what happens with that Castillo's younger than Flowers, too, by about a year or so. Not that neither one of those guys are super young. Castillo will be 30 um, in April, so not like not, not like he's a prospect or anything like that, but um, a little bit younger than Flowers and uh, not not a guy who would be terrifying to you if the Braves gave him like even a two-year contract, something like that. Um, that I would not hate that at all. So we'll see. Not, not, a, not a ton of like specific intel there, but uh, because it's been reported, it's worth talking about, and that would be a guy who I'd actually be interested in. Yeah, I agree with that. Uh, the catching market is not great, so who knows what uh, Castillo will get on the free agent market. I imagine it's got to be pretty good for him considering the state of catching in Major League Baseball. But uh, moving on from Braves-specific stuff, the uh, CBA news broke this week. They agreed on, or The Players Union and MLB agreed on a new collective bargaining agreement. Was there anything in there that you wanted to talk about specifically on the podcast? I was interested in seeing the changes. Uh, the big one, obviously, for casual fans is just that uh, there's no more home field advantage uh, in the World Series tied to the All-Star Game, which I think is an obvious good decision that comes out of this. But do you want to dive into the, the nitty-gritty of this stuff, or do you think we should just be happy that we're going to have baseball uh, throughout the year and we're not going to have any kind of work stoppage or strike? Yeah, I'm, I'm sort of in the middle of it. Like, I don't think it's good It's good radio to talk about um, the, the international draft. <laughs> And uh, all the some of the some of the weird uh, revenue sharing stuff that came out of this, I thought this for the is most a podcast, part, Brad, don't worry. Yeah, for the yeah, no, for the <laughs> most part, um, nothing blew me away here. I, I was kind of hoping that the that they would go to the twenty six man rosters. That's oh something that I thought would would have been interesting. We can argue about um, that another day. Then that's fine. I mean, I'm not like upset about it or anything. Like it's fine. Um, I don't know the yeah the All Star Game thing was great because that's the worst thing in sports that mm-hmm. that baseball was All Star Game just just run home field advantage so thank God for that um, the international draft stuff actually is interesting so I, I'm sure I can have an offline conversation with Eric for an hour about that <laughs> um, but I'm not going to do it some of the foreign uh, the international bonus spot stuff um, is interesting um, but not easily digestible I would say oh the one that I do want to ask you about though is the disabled list. The yeah. fifteen day versus I, the ten day DL actually like matters a I lot. Feel like you're gonna you're gonna see a lot of a lot of differences this year that you maybe didn't expect in how teams manage their roster throughout the year. I think it's 
it's smart. I think it's better for the players. They're actually going to be able to be put on the disabled list if they actually have some sort of nagging injury rather than team just waiting around to see if they can avoid the trip because 10 days is a lot easier to uh, digest, especially if we're talking about a pitcher than a 15-day DL. So I think that's a, that's a really good one. I like that. Uh, what are your thoughts on it? Yeah, I'm, I was I'm as good with it as well. I just there's the one uh, the one caveat is that teams could easily now fit more easily now fake injuries for pitchers, mm-hmm. um, which is that opens the door for some uh, some creativity that baseball may not want. Uh, I'm pretty sure they didn't think about that all the way through, but I have no problem with it honestly. If teams want to be smart and kind of take advantage of things, they never have a problem with that. To be honest with you, and you know, a lot of times, you know, guys are ready to go in 10, 11 days, and they and you have to and you have to make that weird decision. Whereas now, mm-hmm. it's less of a decision. You just put the guy on the DL. Uh, I think now with guys, if, they, if you think they're going to be back in you know five or six days, um, it didn't make sense before to put put them away for fifteen fifteen days versus ten. Uh, I think guys will spend a lot more time on the DL, honestly, because yeah, uh, it's it's less punitive than it was before. Mm-hmm. Which is fine. I think it's fine. Uh, and teams that are loaded in the, in the, at the AAA level, also this might help. To be honest, like a team, a team like the Braves, who has a nice, a nice uh, wealth at the upper levels of the minors now, uh, mm-hmm. I think could be uh, benefited by this. Which is, I think, a lot of Braves fans might like. Um, so yeah, I was cool with that one. Um, oh, I was another one. I was going to ask you about knowing that you are a, a fan of uh, prospect things and draft things. You think? What do you think about the high school? The thing, the little uh, clause about the fact that high school players can actually just completely opt out of the draft instead of saying instead of like making this is a weird thing to me. Like guys get where drafted you, that don't, don't want to get drafted. Where did you see this at? I, I'm just now hearing of this, and I thought I poured uh, over this I, pretty well. It was in uh, I believe I, I saw it. it was I think it was a, a Jeff Passan thing on Yahoo. Mm-hmm. Jeff does ridiculous work on this stuff. He's very yeah. very good at CBA. Um, uh, I think I can find it for you, but, uh, and, oh yeah, I will I say did. while you're looking at this, I will say that I was happy that there is no international draft. I know that was something that was yes. talked about a lot and I was glad the players union kind of fought back against that because even though I'm still not happy with the, uh, the hard cap on international bonuses that teams get to use, uh, it is better than a draft. I think there's, there's no sense you're going to say it's for competitive integrity. That's the argument for a draft. Uh, I don't really buy it. I think it's just a way to uh, kind of cut costs and avoid paying players what they actually get. But um, I'm pretty sure there was a number thrown out there. The, the current hard cap, the highest you can spend on an, an entire class one year, is something like 17% of Yon Moncada's deal uh, with the Red Sox. So I'm really not a fan of, of cutting costs for these international kids that should certainly be getting their market value, in my opinion. But it is better than going to a draft. Hopefully, we can still have some changes for that in the future. Um, but uh, did you want to bring up the uh, the high school? It's not a big the- deal at all. But yeah, I, I did find it. It basically says high school players could formally opt out of the amateur draft instead of just telling teams telling teams not to draft them. So, mm-hmm. like, okay. for this, this, one, this one hit it close to home for me because I had a friend in high school mm-hmm. that got drafted that, that didn't want to get drafted. Uh, like, I think it was like thirty fifth round, something like that. It was late, but um did not want to get drafted, didn't want to go through any of the hassle, didn't yeah. want to play baseball anymore, honestly. Um, was a football player that was good at baseball, didn't want to deal with it anymore, but had, you know, teams for months talking to him that didn't that he didn't want them to talk to him. Mm-hmm. So just be, if you could just send out basically send in a thing and opt out of the draft, that might make it easier for guys that don't want to play baseball mm-hmm. anymore. Which is not a, not a big deal in the grand scheme, but no, you know but that I helps think, people uh, that need to get helped. So a, a potential first round pick in next year's draft, JB Bukowskis, when he came out of high school, he went to UNC, which is why I know uh, about this, he actually emailed all the teams telling them not to draft him because he was a potential round one, round two type of talent coming out of high school. He just sent an email saying, don't draft me. Uh, he got drafted late just because teams will do that if they're the player they're interested in, even if they know they're going to college. But I think that might help clear up some of the confusion there with uh, high school players getting to campus, some of those top talents who are maybe committed to a school but might not actually get there. Uh, so maybe that'll help clear some of that up and help teams uh, more accurately gauge who they should be going after. So I think that, I mean, that's a minor detail, like you said, but I like it. Yeah, I mean, and there's honestly a ton of stuff we could like, go deep into with revenue sharing and sort of the, uh, I did like the fact that the, that the qualifying offer stuff was changed because I think yeah. it was awful, honestly. It, and, I, uh, I wish it was still gone, but it's definitely better than it was. Right. I think they should just take it away completely. But the fact that it's not as punitive for the players, because I think a lot of guys got have been left twisting in the wind because mm-hmm. teams Kendrick want Morales to sign them. Yeah. yeah, 
Yeah. Teams want to sign them, but they're not willing to give up a first round pick. So now uh, it's a little bit, it's a little bit kinder to the players, mm-hmm. which is nice. I'm, I always root for the players in uh, labor negotiations. Um, so uh, glad to see them win that one a little bit. I think um, it's it's interesting the uh, the the draft compensation with free agents is interesting because at, at the All Star game I was just kind of walking around the uh, the National League. No, I was in the American League clubhouse. And uh, there was a few reporters kind of asking what players thought about the uh, collective bargaining agreement running out this year. And uh, easily the most the most frustrated the players got was when they were talking about the um, qualifying offer. It's something they really hate. I'm sure they're not happy with how it is now, but I'm, uh, obviously they like it more than than what the, uh, the, the former rule was. Obviously losing a fifth-round pick or a fourth-round pick, depending on what kind of revenue-sharing team you are, is better than losing a first-round pick. But um, hopefully we're headed in the right direction. Hopefully it can be actually free agency in a few years. I think 2021 is when the next CBA is going to be negotiated. Is that right? Yeah, it's a, this, this is a five-year deal, five-year so that deal. sounds okay. right. Well, hopefully it goes away entirely, but I guess this is a step in the right direction. Um, we talked about this enough. I feel like if there's anything else you want to point out, feel free to now. But if not, uh, we can wrap things up. No, I'm glad baseball will be happening uh, because 2021 looks to be a potential lockout slash strike. So we don't have to worry now for about four years at least. Right when the um, Braves are ready to compete, we can that, have a strike. I, we go. I almost said that. Um, <laughs> that, that. That could be prime Atlanta Braves, uh, uh, just massive you know, 110-win Atlanta Braves season just cut down in the middle because of a strike. It would be like the Expos in 94. It would just be tragic, but oh, we'll see. So sad. All right. Well, I think that does it for us. Um, if you don't follow Brad on Twitter, feel free to at BT Roland. You can follow me at Carlos A. Colazzo. If you don't follow the site already, follow that at Talking Chop. Be sure to uh, check in on the site. We've got some interesting articles going up, as we always do. I know Ivan's piece will be hitting Monday. If you're listening to this on Monday, you can probably go check it out right after you're done listening to this. Um, if you haven't already, subscribe to the podcast on iTunes and leave us a, a good rating. If you if you think that I'm tolerable to listen to, even though I say base-stealing players. Uh, Brad, anything else before we sign off? <laughs> no, that was good. Basically, in players is a nice callback. It's nice to have yeah, you back, friend. I'm, I'm back for uh, funny words that don't make any sense. So, I'm really glad I don't have to host anymore. We stand nice hey. on every time, so it's yeah. nice to have. You. You're going to be hosting after this one, guy. So uh... it, it's going to happen. <laughs> but I want I wanted everybody to hear the sultry tones of your voice at the top. So yeah. it's uh, a blessing. Uh, we'll have lots of stuff coming coming to you from the podcast at the off season. Yeah, we don't, we don't we don't take any weeks off. We were going to take some weeks off. We haven't yet, and now it's like kind of busy again. So uh, no reason to. We're always here. 